at you taking some time off living life man that's what we do i think we just out here just messing around and we living life <laughs> but we are back to talk ravens and football and just chop it up as we do um so glad to see my guys as usual carrie and chris um before we get into any of the topics or whatever let me touch base with the with the guys carrie how you doing Good man, glad to see you guys, man. Glad to get back at it. You know, we got a lot, of, lot to hit on uh, coming up here, and you know, a lot of excitement, and some changes. So, uh, I'm ready to get into it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Chris, how about you? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm glad to be back chopping it up with you guys. Get a little bit of normalcy when it comes to this Ravens talk instead of that that Looney Bin talk. So, I'm ready to get into it. <laughs> oh, I thought we were talking about the. Oh, we not going to trade? Okay, never mind. Never mind. We, <laughs> we won't go there. Y'all know how we do. We go there. Enough of that stuff is out there in other places. And if that's your thing, that's what you into, then you know that's out there. Uh, and if you into some different things, we got you. Um, so one of those things is uh, the hiring of Mike McDonald as the Ravens defensive coordinator. Just announced last night after Denard and I recorded an hour-long Fire Zone show. <laughs> episode on <laughs> so that was cool. Um, <laughs> but you know a guy who uh had had in in the earlier part of this week i think uh, reports kind of surfaced that he was the guy they were targeting so you know you knew we knew that there was a group of candidates and then it kind of looked like they really had narrowed in on him and you know i think people were kind of thinking hey would he would he you know leave michigan after one year obviously you know the nfl is is a huge draw uh for any coach coming from college, but, you know, he had been here, had been with the Ravens for, for a long time, you know, going back to like 2014, has a relationship with Harbs and everybody. So, you know, kind of all made sense, fit together, you know, like a puzzle piece, uh, but it was made uh, official last night. So just get both of your guys, you know, kind of initial thoughts and, and reaction to the news. Chris, I'll start with you. What'd you think about it? Um, I mean, the, the writing was kind of on the wall for, for a little while. Um, you know, you, you kind of got the sense that he would be one of those those top guys because he was interviewed for the job uh, right when Wink was hired. He was one of the guys that, that came in for an interview. And, you know, I think he was like 12 years old at that time. I don't know how old he was, but that, that might have been in like 2018 or something like that where he got interviewed. So, you know, it's kind of difficult to justify giving a guy that's so young that opportunity. So I guess, you know, he goes down to Michigan, does well there. And it's like, all right, he got a little bit of season into him. And, you know, he's a guy that we really like, a guy that he's familiar with our personnel. He's familiar with our scheme and, and you know, how we like to do things over here. And uh, it's it's kind of a – it's a little bit of a, a breath of fr fresh air uh, because it's not the the same old old guy. You know, it's not a – someone that, that we've seen before at another place and now he, he's back over here. You know, he's a young guy, 34 years old. So he, he's, you know, he's bringing in some, some fresh flavor, hopefully, to this defense. And, and you know, 
there were other guys that were interesting. You know, the uh, uh, we got uh, Joe Joe Witt, uh, Chris Richards, uh, Anthony Weaver. You know, I th- it would have been exciting to see those guys too, especially the uh, Chris Richards. Uh, that's how you pronounce his name, right, Chris Richards? I think it's Richard. Richard? Okay. I think it's Richard, yeah, or unless I'm just making it sound like fancy. <laughs> <laughs> it's always well, we're possible. Gonna, we're going to call him Chris. <laughs> just, just to cover our tracks. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, because when I saw them, uh, they were going to they were gonna interview him. I was like, damn, I want to start watching some Seattle stuff, some Legion of Boom stuff, because I thought we were going to transition to that, and that, that was kind of exciting, too. But, um, you know, I mean, you watch the, the Michigan defense, which is something I've been doing, scouting certain players. I, I scouted Daxon Hill earlier uh, earlier in the year. I scouted uh, David Ojabo a little bit. So, you know, you see them do some interesting things, and and it's, it's not going to be Wink's defense. I, I see it thrown around a lot where it's like, oh, there's just, you know, Wink Jr. They got mini Wink. And it's like, no, this he's not like Wink from what he called in, in Michigan. And I know college is completely different than the pros. Obviously, we all know that. But from what we saw is he's not going to he's not going to call all of those exotic blitzes, you know, all the time. And he, he's not going to be doing that kind of stuff. He, he looks like the guy that he wants to play it close to the vest and he doesn't really want to take those those chances. So, you know, I'm I'm excited to see it. I, I feel like anytime you have a new coordinator, it's exciting because it's it's something new. It's something, you know, hopefully fresh. So, um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see it. And, and like I said, he's he's a young guy. So, you know, we, we've never really had this in Baltimore before. Where we have such a young coordinator. So I'm, I'm excited to see how this goes for them, too. Yeah, the uh, the young coordinator thing, man, it, it, it really hits you when you're my age, just kind of how old you are. I'm 12 years older than that. dude. <laughs> so, <laughs> really kind of hits you when it's one thing like when it's players. Right. I think we all kind of have that moment when you get a little bit older, where there is maybe a guy who you uh, watched when you were young and coming up. And now you see they got like a kid playing in college or something like that. But when there's coaches. <laughs> younger than you it really makes you feel uh you know like you've been around for a minute um but uh i do i'm excited about that too like you said i think anytime there's change um in the coaching staff i mean same thing with players right whenever new players come onto the team there's a sense of excitement there's a sense of excitement when when coaches come on too i guess sometimes i guess there could be times where certain coaches come and people are like oh god (laughs) like 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 urban meyer yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're, uh, kicking your kickers and stuff. Uh, <laughs> good riddance to that dude. But anyway, let me get your thoughts, Gary. What would you think about the uh, the announcement? Uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. That, um, Chris hit on a couple of guys, uh, Chris uh, Richard and uh, Joe Witt. Um, and I was just like him, like excited about those guys once I heard them as potential um, – candidate so I was I wouldn't say disappointed when uh, McDonald got the job um, but you know you thought initially you know maybe this is kind of more status quo but you know just following some of the the, the Michigan people and how they spoke about um, how he liked to uh, adapt week in and week out um, you know to his opponent 
Um, and, you know, obviously the, the work you guys did with the fire zone, kind of breaking down some of the things you saw from his defense, um, you know, it, it got me excited because, you know, this is a young guy that um, he's going to ascend as a coach. He's going to get better as a coach, but he all, already has some of those key qualities you look for as far as, um, you know, being able to adapt to different situations. So, um, you know, excited to have somebody in the fold that, um, you know, will adjust to what's going on around him and adjust to, um, you know, the changes that are happening in, with the passing game. So, um, you know, all in all, it, it excited, man, for, for what he could potentially bring to the table. Um, it'll be interesting to see the shift because for as long as we've watched the, the Ravens, you know, you have to go back to like Marvin Lewis days to, to not look at his Ravens team and think of a defense that's just exotic, attacking, attacking, attacking. And now we potentially might see something different um, from this team. So it's going to be interesting to see how that, um, how that, how it's uh, received by the fan base and, you know, how it, it kind of flows on, on Sundays. It will be interesting. Um, it certainly helped to have uh, David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson uh, in terms of um, not needing to to create a lot of additional pressure when <laughs> you got those two guys coming off the edge. But I do I do agree with both of you guys that I think that is sort of baked into his philosophy. Um, not that he won't bring pressure, but you know he's he's he didn't appear to be from the games that I've watched and I shared before we started recording with you guys a little bit of charting. And I've just started to do one, so I won't draw too many conclusions because I'm, I'm real early in it. But just early indications are that that's kind of his philosophy is he's a guy who's going to kind of line up and 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 be sound, you know, be kind of really sound in, in their structures and um, in their assignments and, you know, how guys kind of relate to one another and, and play off one another. Something Denard and I talk about all the time with like the Buffalo Bills defense or the Colts defense, right? Where you see, not that they don't have, um, you know, good players, but they really play together. You know, you can tell that it's a very sound, um, cohesive defense. And you don't, you don't tend to see a lot of guys kind of jumping outside of what they're supposed to be doing and, and, you know, trying to do more than they should or being put in positions where uh, they're really in a bind. Because, you know, there's a lot of we talked about last night. It's just, there's a lot of if then kind of things in, in Wink's defense and some of these other defense. And that can be a lot to process, particularly for young guys. You know, if it's one thing, OK, maybe that's not that bad. If A happens, then do then then do B. But if it's if A happens, do B. If B happens, do C. If D happens, do E and so on and so forth. And all on one play, all in one call. And you're like, that's a lot to process for for anybody. And like I say, particularly if you got young guys and particularly if you got guys coming in on a Tuesday who got to play on Sunday <laughs> and you're trying to throw them <laughs> into that, you know, that's that's asking a lot. So I think McDonald's cut from a little bit of a different cloth in that regards. Like you said, Chris, I know people see the background and the ties and they think, oh, why would he be any different? But look, just because he was on the staff and coaching underneath those guys doesn't mean he didn't have his own thoughts and ideas about how to call defense. You know, he was a position coach and he was, you know, coaching those positions in the way that, um, 
you know, he he thought was best and would help the players. But obviously he was working under uh, D.C. And, and you've got to work within their structure, within their defense. But that doesn't mean like anybody, else, any of us who are on a job and working for somebody and you're like, all right, yeah, I got to do it this way because this is what they want. But shit, I would do it like this or I might do it like that. <laughs> I mean, I think everybody right. does, you know, and, and that's what you want from, you know, talented people, from up and coming people in your organization. Hey, we brought you here for your opinion, for your ideas, not just to be a robot and do what you're told, right? At least in good organizations. That's my opinion. You want those people to learn the fundamentals and learn the basics of, of your system, your, your core philosophy, but then um, express their own ideas and, and put their own stamp on, on things. So I think people just need to keep an open mind about that. And look, we get to the season week one and you're like, ah, this is the same thing. Uh, <laughs> again, continue to keep an open mind. It's the first game. And look, I've already told myself kind of mentally, it's the first season in a new defense. And his first season calling plays in the NFL. I mean, yeah, he called them last year in, in college, but that was his first year calling defense in, in college. So I've already prepared myself mentally for transition. Not that that means they're going to struggle or whatever. They could, they could ball out, and I, I hope they do. But I think I've said to myself, I'm going to be prepared for a little bit of transition, a little bit of up and down um, at some points in the season because I think that's just natural. Um, but hey, happy to have him. Like I said, excited uh, that he's on staff, and you know we'll we'll see. It seemed like a lot of the players, you know, you saw that on Twitter. You saw a lot of guys kind of saying "Welcome back" and you know "Let's get to work" and and stuff like that. So you remember these guys really just worked with him like two years ago. You know, Patrick Queen and Ty Bowser and guys like that. They just worked with him not that long. Um, and so they they have that relationship. So I think that's a good thing as well. Yeah, that, that's and, a that's a leg up for that's a leg up for him and for the team because it's like this guy already knows our personnel and he's worked with them closely. So it, yeah. it that kind of you you won't have that learning curve of all right, I gotta get to know this player, I gotta get to know that player, I gotta see what this guy could do, I gotta see what that guy could do. He you know, other than the rookies and the new guys that are on the team, he knows this this defensive roster. So he, he already knows what guys can do and how they can be used. So that, that's a huge leg up for, for uh, the new defensive coordinator coming in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like you said, it kind of speeds up that learning curve, right? Yeah. You, you don't have to necessarily take as long to evaluate guys and figure out, okay, well, what are they good at? What are they not good at? You already have a really good feel for that. So – that's cool um, that he has that advantage coming in. Um, let me ask you guys this. Let me ask you both this question. There's nothing out there, so I'm not basing this on anything that has been reported that I heard, but just curious. You know, my mind wheels are always turning. Um, what do you think about the position coaches on that side of the ball or on offense, if you want to take it there too? Um, do you – and I'll start with you on this one, Kerry, first – do you expect or anticipate that there could be more uh, change at the position coach level uh, on either side of the ball? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, you got the guy, the two guys in house that interview for this uh, DC position, uh, Anthony Weaver and uh, uh, Chris Hewitt. And, you know, those guys might be slighted and, and, you know, as the coaching cycle turns itself over, you know, they might find opportunities elsewhere, um, 
that they might feel may give them a little bit better of a chance to advance because we just said it, this, this defensive coordinator is 34 years old. It's not like he's uh, 70 years old on his way out. And, you know, these guys could be lining up to be that next guy. You know, if, if things go well with this guy, he's going to be there for a while until he becomes, you know, a head coaching candidate. So, you know, a guy like Weaver, you know, if they feel like they're on that fast track, they may opt for, you know, a, a different, you know, scenery that, that might, you know, allow them to advance a little bit quicker. Uh, so you always have to factor that in. Um, I would think from a merit standpoint, um, the way this run defense played, especially later in the year with all the injuries, with Weaver coordinating that that facet of the defense, I would think that would make him safe from a performance standpoint. Um, Hewitt maybe not as much because of the struggles with the secondary. I mean, a lot of it was injuries, but too, when you look at it, there was a lot of, uh, you know, blown coverages, missed tackles, things of that nature on the back end. And at the end of the day, you know, Wink or whoever can't go out there and make those plays for them, but somebody has the answer for them at the end of the day. And, you know, you can't fire all the players, but you damn sure can fire a coach, <laughs> you know, if you feel like, you know, things need to change. So um, I, I, I kind of lean towards it being a status quo, like everybody coming back. But, I mean, you just never really know because um, – you don't know. Obviously, with Wink being gone, you knew there was some kind of uh, frustration there on that side of the ball. Now, we don't know how deep that frustration lies. Um, so it's just it's going to be interesting to see. You know, you got McDonald in place now. Uh, so you have a, a new voice, a new direction. Uh, but, you know, if you're moving to uh, kind of a more dramatic philosophical shift, then you may need to get more people in the room that align with that shift. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. I wouldn't rule anything out. It definitely would be interesting. Chris, what about you? You anticipate any other changes um, at the position coach level on offense or defense or, hey, you know, what the hell? coordinator position on offense. It's what everybody wants. I'll just open it. <laughs> well, you open it and I'm going to close it right back up. <laughs> um, no, the, the only one that, that I could think of was uh, Rex Ryan. I mean, not Rex Ryan, Rob Ryan, uh, the, the, the linebacker coach. And uh, it, it's under the little caveat of Zachary Orr being a free agent right now with the uh, – with the, the whole Jacksonville fiasco going on uh, right now. Uh, that, uh, right before we got on, we saw Joe Cullen got uh, – he's getting an interview for the Colts job. So who knows, maybe he wants to go with Joe Cullen over to, to Indy. But if not, you know, he and Mike and Mike McDonald work very closely in Baltimore. Uh, so maybe Mike McDonald be like, I want my guy back. You know, I work closely with him. I know him. I don't really know Rob Ryan, you know, let, let's get Zachary Orr. And, you know, we know the players loved him too. So I feel like that would be a good a good marriage if if he's willing to come back to Baltimore and not just stay on with, with Joe Cullen. Yeah, that would be interesting. I, I'm going to give you a real quick hypothetical. Okay, so let's say that uh, 
Cullen does go and get the Colts DC job and he wants to bring Zach with him there and he offers him, right? He says, Hey, you know, you come over, coach the linebackers over here. But then what if uh Mike McDonald says, Hey, I want you to come coach linebackers for us. You go work, come come here and work with Patrick Queen and those guys, or you go there and work with the maniac, Darius Leonard and their guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tough choice. T- I mean, yeah. I don't know. Maybe he still, maybe he still has a house in Baltimore. Maybe that sounds a little bit, a little bit more appealing. You know, maybe he got kids. Maybe his kids miss it. You know, who, who knows? That that's when that when that life comes comes into play. Yeah, yeah, and that's a big factor. We've seen that with players when they they look at making a move. Uh, so I imagine it would be similar for coaches too. They're looking at, you know, how it affects family, how it, if they have kids, how it affects schools. Um, you know, shoot, we've even heard people talk about weather. They ain't trying to be nowhere cold. They're like, look, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not built for it. <laughs> be somewhere warm. If I have options, I'm gonna choose a weather warmer, uh, a warmer weather option. So uh, you can never exclude those life factors because, yeah, this is your job, and obviously, it's it's a very big part of their lives because of how much time these guys spend, you know, with teams and players at the facility. But you do still have a life and family outside of that job that you have to take into consideration when you make these decisions and choices. So, yeah, that's an excellent point, as always. Um, did we want to talk any more about coaches right now, or did we want to kind of shift into the um, little, little roster scenario game? I won't call it a game. Just an exercise, thinking about some different things. Anything else on coaches? Or I, I wanted to get into, like, um, what this means for the personnel. And the, the scheme, okay, because yeah. uh, you know they're, they're kind of at a crossroads right now with uh, B. Will, a free agent. Uh, we know Calais is a free agent too, and I, I uh, Jelly's a free agent, and this just goes on the the interior guys, and it's like, what direction do they want to go in now? You know, traditionally we've seen them be, you know, obviously they're hybrid three four defense. But they prefer to have that big guy, you know, right over the center. That that's what they they prefer to have. Now I wonder, are they going to move away from that under McDonald? Are are they going to be, you know, that that two four five defense? It's it's an interesting thing that to see and, and an interesting evolution because the, the game is changing. You know, we see it all the time. We see it every week in week out. The game is changing, and you know defenses have to catch up because right now there's no there's no such thing as a dominant defense. We the Bills had the number one defense, and they got lit up. You know there's, there's no such thing as as the Ravens defense. I think the last great great defense that we saw was probably the Broncos, when the year they won it. I, that's probably the last dominant defense that the NFL had seen, and ever since then there have been good ones, but not dominant, and. I wonder if we'll we'll see that that change and that evolution come as far as personnel is concerned. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, like I said, starting to do a little bit of this charting early on and just IDing some of the players and the body types on guys that he had at Michigan. Um, kind of some interesting things there. But um, before I speak on any of that, let me get your thoughts on that, Kerry. What, what do you think about that? Um, about how the roster could be evolving to align because you talked about that alignment with, you know, a new uh, philosophy on defense. 
Yeah, it's interesting. And when you think about it, when you look at the makeup of this roster with a lot of guys being unrestricted, if you're going to make that shift, this would be the time to do it. I mean, the cupboard is open for you to go ahead and make that shift now. Um, you know, we just have Matt BK on the contract. You got Derek Wolf on the contract. But, you know, with his health, you're not sure how things are going to go there. So he's not really a guy that you can kind of put in pen as somebody that you can count on necessarily right now. So you got Matabike and then you got, uh, you know, a blank canvas to fill in how you want to fill it in. And if you're moving to a system, you know, like Chris is saying, this this four two five. if you're moving to a system where you're not exotic necessarily or not blitz heavy, you're timely blitzes, but, you know, you're playing man coverage or – uh, you know, you're dropping linebackers in zone, you're doing some of these things, and you want to force teams to um, put together methodical seven, eight, nine, ten play drafts to score on you, then you're going to need the horses up front that can get after it. You know, they can one gap, get up the field, and get to the quarterback. Um, so now is a good a time as any um, to to make that, that change. And, and honestly – with the way things are going, I anticipate that being a, a focus in, in free agency and, and, and more so in the draft. But I think if they can identify some guys in free agency uh, that they can get on modest deals, then, you know, we could see some of that in, in free agency as well. But uh, Chris hit on a good point. I definitely think we're probably going to get ready to see a shift. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know that you'll see – Cause what is what was B Will three thirty three forty? What they list him at? I mean, we don't we don't know what these guys play at uh, throughout the season, but somewhere in that three thirty three forty range. Um, but I think what was interesting at looking early on uh, at some of that uh, Michigan defense and, and and doing a little bit of the charting, um, they had a lot of four down looks where you had a Jabo and Aiden Hutchinson as your defensive ends on either side, and then two D tackles on the inside, and they had some big bodies in there. Um, <laughs> Maisie Smith went 6'3", 326. They listed him uh, on the school site. And then uh, who's the other guy? Um, Donovan Jeter, 6'3", 325. So what they would do is they would have some combination of uh, Maisie Smith and maybe a Christopher Hinton. So Hinton would be more like a three technique, right? Kind of that more one-gap penetrator body type. And then Maisie Smith was kind of more of your double-team eater. And then when they needed to rotate, you know, to give guys a break, then they bring in Chris, um, I'm just going to say Chris Jenkins, that's defensive end, Donovan Jeter, and then Jess Spate. Jess Spate, 6'5", 310, a little closer to that, that three-technique type body type. So they still had these defensive tackle body types. Now, did they have like the big, like I said, a big massive head up, you know, 340, 350-pound guy? No, they didn't have that. But they would play some of those guys head up at times. But most of the time, it was in a three technique and like a two technique. So like outside shade of a guard and like head up on the other guard or maybe, you know, a two eye, like inside shoulder of the other guard. So they still use those big bodies inside. I just didn't see as much of the three down front stuff that you kind of saw in, in, uh, in wings defense, they played it some, but they would do it in some different ways. So they might bring in two of those defensive tackle body types and play them at like double threes, double three techniques. And they put a guy head up on a center, but it'd be a linebacker like Michael Barrett, 
they put 23 up there and line him up on the center. <laughs> and then you still had a Jabo and Hutchinson on the edges, or you might have, um, they put this other cat out there sometimes on the edge, which is number 32, Jalen Harrell, 6'4", 242. Sometimes they put him out there on the edge at DN. So they would still get into some of those three down looks. So I think that it, when people, you know, talk about the notion of, is it more of the same? Will it just look like a mini wink? I think what will be similar is the multiplicity. Now, what they consider, what, what McDonald maybe considers his base versus what Will, what Wink considered his base is probably different. Like you guys said, I think, you know, McDonald's probably more of a four two five kind of guy in terms of a, in terms of a base, but both of them were multiple. And I think that you will continue to see that you're going to have multiple looks. Um, and, you know, a lot of that is driven by personnel. The other thing we talked about before we started recording was their linebackers and their DBs. All these guys are like six foot to six foot two, mid 220 pound range, you know, all of them. And so you get a bunch of guys on the field who can run, who can play, um, you know, in the box, who can walk out. Uh, if you got like a, a spread type formation, two by two, three by one, drop in the zone and play zone a little bit. You got safeties at 220 who obviously can come down and support the run. So it's going to be interesting to see if he mirrors some of that in terms of the kind of personnel he, he wants to have here. I mean, obviously he's going to work with the guys that are already here and under contract, but in terms of, of the draft, in terms of free agency, will he maybe look to mirror some of those body types that he had at Michigan? I didn't remember. I didn't know until I started writing this stuff down on these guys, um, how much experience was on that team. A lot of senior and juniors and even some graduate guys in there. They didn't, at least in the rotation that I've seen in this first game, there's like four sophomores that they rotated in there. And that was out of a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 man rotation. And everybody else was either a junior, senior, or a graduate student. And I think they were putting graduate students because I think that might be that those fifth year guys that, you know, the super senior kind of mm -hmm. guy because of COVID. Um, so I had a lot of experience on that defense. And I was like, man, I didn't realize. Um, that they had that there. So that was kind of interesting to see. Now, like I said, I very early on in the charting, as I go through it, maybe that'll change up. Maybe we'll see some different deployment of personnel, but yeah, I, I don't, when people are like, ah, I don't know if he's going to go to, you know, the three, four, cause they don't want those big body types in there. I wouldn't necessarily say they're not going to go to it, but who, who makes up those looks may be different than what we've seen in the past. Uh, and it's something before he even got that we were speaking about before he even got hired by the Ravens. I think before the Dan, I think before the Ravens season even finished, when we were talking about David Ojabo, and um, something that I, I really liked um, that he gave the freedom uh, to David Ojabo because you know he's a young player, and I think it was you, Mike, that shared a story with us with a former player where he was saying that there were certain coaches that were like. No, don't don't use this pass rush move. Don't do that. Yeah. And I think there was a story this year too, uh, with a breakout player, Arden Key. He's having a career year, and yeah. they're like, he's like, yeah, I. They didn't let me loose. They didn't let me do what I what I would, was comfortable doing, what I like to do. They wanted me to do it their way. And I think we saw Mike McDonald give that freedom to David Ojabo, who was just you know trying out moves in the games and. You could see it in games where he was trying moves out, and you're like, what the hell is he doing? 
But then you see it later on in the game, and it's like, damn, he perfected it. Like, just like the <laughs> second or third time that he tried to do it in the game. Now, the, uh, you know, any other DC will probably be like, hey, cut that shit out. You know, don't do that anymore. But yeah. for him to have the, the confidence and the faith and like, no, keep hitting your move, you know, keep keep doing what, you know, what you feel like you need to do. And if it's going to work, you know, I have the utmost confidence in you to, to, to for you to keep trying. And that that's huge for a DC to give you that kind of freedom to allow you because this is, you know, we've spoken about this before. It's like art, you know, pass rush, uh, running routes, you know, getting off the line. That's like an art within itself. So for him to give his pass rusher that freedom to kind of perform his art the way that he wanted to, that speaks volumes. And, and I think fans should be encouraged by that, where, you know, you have somebody like uh, uh, Dafe Owe where, uh, or Justin Matabike, you know, these guys that have so much natural ability and, and, and so much burst off the line. And it's like, you know, just let them hunt, let them do what they're best at. And, and, and I think I think that's something that we'll see we'll see a little bit more of this season. Yeah, and I think you could see that at times on their tape. Like I said, I'm early into the study, but um, I saw at least one play so far where it was Aiden Hutchinson. I think it was Mike Morris, who's kind of like a defensive end type. He's like six six two seventy eight, but they would kick him inside and let him rush inside. So it was Aiden Hutchinson outside of him and Morris inside. And they're both rushing and they're both hitting inside spin moves from the same side of the line at the same time. And I was like, I don't know if I see two guys on the same side, both inside like that. I was like, these dudes must have some freedom uh, to kind of go out there and, and, and get it done however they think they can get it done. Um, so that's pretty cool uh, to see. And it really kind of supports uh, what you were saying. And yeah, we've, we've heard those stories. I mean, I was listening to a, a Twitter spaces earlier tonight. I was Antonio Cromartie. Uh, who I think coaches at the high school level now. And he had uh, a bunch of other high school coaches and some DB coach, um, you know, trainer types. He's not at A&M? Oh, you know what? You're right. I think he might be in college. Yeah, he's at A&M. Okay, yeah. I think you're right about that. He he talked about wanting to stay at the high school level. I don't know why he was (laughs) talking about that. Um, and maybe he was talking about just working with kid, younger kids in general as opposed to going to the pros. But to that point that you were making, he talked about how, and I think Will Blackman was on there too. He's a guy who played in the league, played corner a long time in the league, um, about how you can overcoach guys. Now with kids, he said it's a little different because, you know, you're trying to, to instill fundamentals and, and have them, you know, learn the game the right way. But he said even with even with um, Kids who are pretty experienced. I mean, Cromarty talked about his son, who I, I forget how old he is now. He said like 14, 13, 14. But he said by the time he was six years old, he already knew how to take a read step as a corner. Like he, he said he would take him to these camps for like eight year olds, like these all star camps. And the, the, his son would go up to the coach and say, Hey, coach, is it cool if I play read step? And the coach is looking at him like, What is a read step? You <laughs> 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 know how to do that. <laughs> so they were talking about how you want to give these guys all of the tools, right? Don't, don't feel like, Oh, I can't show him this or I can't show him that it's too much. Give them all of the tools. He said, you gotta, you gotta, there's gotta be a progression to how you do it. So you don't overload them and overwhelm them, but you give them all of the tools. And then that allows them to have the freedom to express themselves out on the field. You know, they can pick the right tool for the situation. And he talked about how 
you know, kids sometimes who are really talented, who they work with and have really good technique, they'll go to a college. And the first thing the coach tries to do is change their technique. And he was like, nah, man, get out of here with that. Like, <laughs> you know, when the kid gets out on the field or practice or even in a game and he's making plays and they're like, look, he ain't going to say he ain't going to mess with you no more about that technique. When you see you get out there, and you see, you you know, picking balls off and going to the crib, they're going to let you do what you need to do out there. So I think sometimes that gets associated with younger coaches, too. I don't know if that's always the case. I don't want to say that there's never any older coaches who give guys that kind of freedom because I think they probably do. But I think that that gets associated more with younger coaches that, you know, they they really are um, sort of creating that environment where guys can express themselves a little more freely. And, um, you know, it's not so rigid, you know, my way or the highway kind of an idea. So uh, yeah, that would be fun I, I think, to see. Like, yeah, they got some really young, talented guys on this defense. And, and yeah, let's yeah. let those guys loose and see what they can do. And I, I, something else, too, where it's like, uh, like yeah, he you know he was a a good de- a good coordinator, but look at the roster that they have, and it's like you could use that on the flip side, and you could look at Penn State and look at all the monsters that they had. Yeah. Penn State was not a dominant defense, you know. So you can have the players, but if you don't use them correctly and maximize maximize it to their full potential, it doesn't really mean anything. So the fact that he had the roster and he was able to maximize their full potential and take them to the next level where you hear Aiden Hutchinson, like he told me to stand up and, you know, I could rush from a two point stance and that made a huge difference. It's like, yeah, that's, that's what the coach is there for. Like that's, that's something that he improved on when he came to the, to the, uh, to the Michigan team. So, you know, that's what you want to see. You want to see guys that are going to come in here and be innovative. Like, Hey, you know, let's do this instead of the way we were doing it before. I think this will work better. And when you see the results, like that that's what you want from a, a guy. That's what you want from a defensive coordinator. Yeah. And you, you know, you when Hutchinson talked about that, he was on Chris Long's podcast. You could tell he didn't want to throw Don Brown's previous coordinator under the bus. He just said, you know, I played for another coordinator for three years and he had me rushing inside more. <laughs> that was it. You know, that's all you needed to say. He didn't have to, you know, get get you know more specific than that. And then he said, you know, Mike McDonald comes in. And he lets me play on the edge a little bit more. He lets me stand up. And he's like, I can see everything. And he said, it just feels so right. And Chris Long, you know, who was a number one pick and an edge rusher type, had some good years in the NFL, said, yeah, it does feel right, doesn't it? <laughs> he's like, well, so right. You can stand up and you can see everything. Because he said, sometimes when you're down in that three-point, you know, it gets hard to see certain things. But he's like, when I'm standing up, I can see into the backfield, I can see the quarterback, I can see the tackle, I can see backs coming tight in to white, whatever. So I can see everything. Um, so yeah, that's that's what you want, right? In a good coach, is you've got these players with different abilities, and you want to put them in positions to maximize what they can do and give them the freedom to kind of express it in different ways. Now, like you said, within the structure of a defense, because I think that's one thing that I've seen in a lot of good defensive coaches is that. If you've got a really talented guy like an Aaron Donald, we see this with Aaron Donald, we've seen it with J.J. Watts, you put those guys in positions where they can just go out and win however they need to win. And then the rest of the defense is structured around them to say, okay, if you're going to give Aaron Donald a two-way go inside, he can rush inside or he can rush outside over a guard. Somebody, you know, he's going to – so let's say he goes inside. He's going into the A gap. Well, who's got the B gap? Well, somebody else, because of the way the defense is structured, will have that assignment. If you see Aaron go in – you got the B gap now. You got to make Aaron right, right? Same thing with J.J. Watt. If you see J.J. go outside 
and maybe you thought he was going to go inside. Well, we've got the defense structured in a way that somebody else can cover that A gap or that B gap while J.J. loops outside. So I think good defensive coordinators will do that with really special players, put them in positions where they have options, and then everybody else around the rest of the defense will, you know, kind of have more maybe of a, a more structured role. And that can vary. It might not always be that guy. It might be a different guy, you know, so that way you keep guys happy too because obviously if somebody's always the, you know, make him right guy, uh, you know, that can make you feel some type of way. Uh, after yeah, well, we saw that we saw that in Baltimore with uh with Ed Reed and Dewan Landry. Yeah. Ed Reed always used yeah. to pick up Dewan Landry and used to be like, "That's my guy." Like, you know, if I make a mistake, I know he's he, he's there to you know cover me up and make. If I take a bad guess, I know he's going to be there to, to you know cover that up for me. Yeah. Heard about Patrick McCarry. We heard Bradley Bradley Bozeman say that about McCarry. Say, look, that guy is the smartest guy out there on the O line. He was like, if I miss a call or if I don't see something. He'll pick it up and he'll call it out. He's like, hey, look over here. Look, this guy's coming. Or, hey, look at this. We need to we need to slide this way. So, you know, having those kinds of guys around, you know, guys who maybe have special talent. And so you want to give them a little bit more freedom, having other guys who can say, hey, I got you. If you're going to go, if you're going to go, I got you. Don't worry about it. Um, I think that just, you know, is a hallmark of, of good defenses. So um, I think there was a little bit of that at Michigan, just from what I'm seeing. Like I said, I don't. Not don't have any connection, not not getting any kind of inside information, just what I'm seeing on tape. And you kind of just feel like, okay, when guys are, are double inside spin moving on the same side, you know, somebody's got some freedom <laughs> to do what they want to do. You don't see that uh, very often. Uh, <laughs> anything else on the on the roster and the personnel we want to touch on? One thing I just thought about, um, and it kind of comes back to McDonald. Uh, it'll be interesting. You know, we talk about his um, knowledge of the personnel here. He knows the guys here, um, you know, because he was just here a, a year ago. But what'll be interesting is I'm sure he had an idea of how he would have done things when he was the position coach with certain guys. But he was doing that from a vantage point of never having to actually call the defense. Now he's called the defense for a year. Now to be interested in him coming back and how that perspective changes with how he would use certain guys. And now he has the the wherewithal now, the, you know, the, the the power to to implement some of those things. So you know he may have had one uh, kind of view on on a different player how he think he would use this guy and that guy. And now that he's done it for a year, you know he may come back with, you know, even more fresh perspectives on, on these guys coming back. But he also has the knowledge of their games so he doesn't have to, you know, just throw somebody completely in the deep end um, because he does have that that knowledge of the player. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, as everything unfolds, how he uses certain guys and, you know, just it, a lot of tinkering can be done um, with this with this personnel experience definitely matters no question about that and that that is a different kind of experience that you just hit on going from position coach experience to defensive play caller experience so i think that's an excellent point like you you're the position coach you may see it one way but now when you've actually been making calls in games and you say oh wait a minute when i did that here's what the offense did we we need to tweak that uh, you know, that might have just been hypothetical at the position coach level, but now you've seen it as a play caller. 
And so you, you've got that experience that you can call on. And, you know, the other thing, I, I don't know, the NFL guys are very smart. So I don't, I don't want to make too much of a big deal about this, especially, you know, offensive coordinators. But you do have a new defense coming in. And so offensive coordinators, and in, in, in particularly in the division, they have not seen this defense, you know, not this version of it. And so, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve for them as well as they go into game plan for the Ravens. It's different now. You know, with Wink, they probably had a certain a certain plan and certain things that they expected to see. And with Mike McDonald, you know, they 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 have to go back to the Michigan tape. That's really all that they have to go on in terms of well, what what kind of things that we think we can expect to see from him. And he probably will certainly do a lot of those things, but he might have some new stuff too that they <laughs> that they haven't seen yet. So I think that's always tough for offense or defense. Anytime you've got those unscouted looks, which is just stuff that you have not really seen or had an opportunity to prepare for, um, you know, you can kind of catch people off guard. Obviously they catch up fast in the NFL. So I'm not saying that's like a sustainable kind of thing, but <laughs> I think it can, can work to your advantage a little bit uh, early on when people kind of haven't had a, a, an opportunity to, to really get a book on you and, and kind of see what you do. Um, so I think you can tell by this discussion that it's exciting. Just the whole notion of it is exciting yeah. Something Those new. OCs can't um, can't um, put in pen cover zero when it's third and twenty five <laughs> anymore. <laughs> hey, every and I know a lot of people, you know, jumped on some of the comments. They kind of cherry picked some comments he he made on a podcast that he was on uh, in an article. I read the article and I actually listened to the whole podcast. Uh, shout out to Morton Anderson. Uh, people may remember long time. <laughs> The Great Dane podcast. That guy's actually got a pretty good podcast, and uh, he, he has some good guests on. He had Ed Reed, and I listened to that one, and uh, he had Wade Phillips on, so I went back and listened to that one. I was like, this guy is, is actually pretty good. Um, I enjoyed it because you think a kicker, you know, I don't know. Nah, this guy is a very knowledgeable guy, very well-rounded. But one of the other things that Ed said when he was talking about defense and offense, he said it's true for defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators. When it gets hot, when the pressure's on in the game, it's high leverage situation. All OCs and DCs are going to go to their bread and butter. They're going to go to what they know. And what Wink knew was pressure. <laughs> when things got hot, pressure was his bread and butter. That's what it was. And I'm not saying that as a negative. That was his go-to, was to bring pressure in some shape, form, or fashion, right, when when his back was up against the wall. And Obviously, that that was taken advantage of at times. So it can work the other way. I mean, you could say, well, my go-to is to sit back in zone. People can take advantage of that. So I'm not saying there's one way that's necessarily right or wrong. I just really, I think that made a lot of sense when Ed said, hey, whatever it is, whatever your go-to is, when it's nut cutting time, that's what you're going to. This is human nature. You're going to go to the stuff that you're comfortable with and the stuff that you can hang your hat on. He gave an example of a play call they had back in the day when he was playing with Ray and Suggs and all those guys, he says, first thing we installed day one of, of camp. And whenever we got in a situation where it was hot, that's the call that we went to. Cause every, and Denard talked about this last night when everybody knows exactly what they're supposed to do. They say, okay, now I can just play. I don't have to think. I don't have the process. I know this call like the back of my hand against whatever situation they put in front of us. Cause we've worked it so many times. Now we can just play. So I think there's there's definitely some uh, some familiarity and, and and it gives you a sense of confidence when you you've been in in a certain call and, and you know okay everybody knows what to do in this call so 
and we didn't always see that last year. Sometimes you see guys are looking around, like, hey, we, we, you know, <laughs> not sure what's going on. And, you know, that's not a situation you want to be in uh, on, on defense uh, where there's confusion and, and, you know, lack of communication, guys not really understanding what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, that's the band's going to be playing. That happens too many times. Band's going to be playing real quick. It's not going to be your band. <laughs> um, so look did we did we want to dive into this this process? i mean we talked about personnel i know we talked before the show a little bit about maybe taking a look at the current roster current guys that are under contract and just kind of kicking some thoughts around on that do we want to do that now or do, do we want to put it off for later i mean we're pretty early into the offseason i can go either way it's up to you guys I'll get. I'll have you make the call, Kerry. Executive decision. Uh, let's see. Maybe the offense. We can hit on a few guys since it's you know it's a lot more um, free agents and a lot more going on on the defensive side of the ball. Um, okay. You know, maybe we you know hit on a few guys on on the offensive side. Okay. Well, let me throw kind of kick up. it around. See what you think. So people can see, so we can see, and other people can see, as you guys will will see once I get this set up right. I can figure out how to get it set up right. Here we go. I have removed uh, some other information. Hold on, that's not the right one. Boom, there it is. <laughs> I have removed some other information <laughs> from a previous version <laughs> to protect the innocent. Uh, <laughs> and so full disclosure, I always like to give credit where credit is due. Um, these are the players currently under contract. I want to say there's about 48 guys and their cap numbers for 2022 in parentheses. This all comes straight from Brian McFarland at Raven Salary Cap, uh, Salary Cap on Twitter. You can see his work over at RussellStreetReport.com. Uh, Brian is the best. The best. One of the best. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. That's right. Yes, Former, guest. Former guest Brian McFarland. So all credit to him for this information. None of this comes from me. Uh, full disclosure there and so uh as you can see uh i probably needed to update this because i've got a blanket fullback because again remember it just shows the people that are under contract we know you know ricard is, the, is a free agent but they did sign ben mason to a reserve futures contract but i don't think he's he's in that rule of 51 calculation at this point so i think that's probably why he's not on here but um I'll kind of just talk through real quick and then I'll, I'll, I'll toss it to you guys um, for your thoughts. Obviously Lamar Jackson right up there. You see his cap number 23 million. Um, we know that, you know, contract negotiations are ongoing. Um, you know, whether something gets done um, or whether he plays under his fifth year option, you know, remains to be seen, but we know those negotiations are ongoing. Uh, what's kind of cool about the running back room, all three of those contracts for next year. So Gus, JK, Justice Hill, all coming back, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, surprisingly, Gus, well, not surprisingly, Gus got the biggest cap because he's been around the longest. Plus, he's got, he got another deal um, after his rookie deal. So that's not really that surprising. Um, wide receiver group, you see all the guys there. You know, just, it's amazing, right? Just a couple of years ago. Think back to 2019, like what that – list look like and what it looks like now so marquise brown rashad bateman miles boykin devin Renee, tylen wallace james prochet jalen moore and benjamin victor so you know looking pretty good there of course the tight end group we all know money man andrews nick boyle josh oliver tony polge don't sleep tony polge 
<laughs> got a chance to get in a couple of games last year. Uh, and the O-line will finish up there. Uh, Ronnie Stanley, uh, Alejandro Villanueva, Kevin Zeitler, Juwan James, Patrick McCarry just got paid. Ben Powers, Tyree Phillips, Ben Cleveland, Jared Jones-Smith, and Jimmy Murray round out the group there. So um, start with you on this one, Chris. Just kind of your thoughts about the state of the offense in terms of, you know, guys that are under contract, guys that are free agents, uh, guys maybe you think you want to bring back on offense or guys that you think, you know, hey, maybe you let them test the market and you look at, um, you know, drafting somebody at that spot or and or bringing in a free agent at that spot. Yeah, so uh, obviously the, you know, the, the big, big one is Bradley Bozeman. Uh, we know the, the offensive line is going to be a huge, huge uh, part of, of this offseason, whether it's through free agency or through the draft. We know that this is where DaCosta wants to hit on. We, we've seen him be aggressive at the wide receiver position. When, when that group was weak, we saw him go heavy uh, in the uh, 2019 draft with the, the linebackers when he selected Patrick Queen and uh, Malik Harrison. So we know that when there's a deficiency on this on this roster, that he he's ultra aggressive at, at trying to correct those. So right now, the the mystery for for us as fans, the people on the outside, is what kind of contract will Bradley Bozeman command? Uh, there's his price, there's the Ravens' price, and then there's the market. So ultimately, the market is going to dictate what's going to happen with Bradley Bozeman. Um, Ideally, it'd be great to have him on, you know, not a top two center contract. It'd be great to have him on a, a reasonable deal. I, reasonable, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's like nine million, ten million. I'm just guessing here. I'm I'm not a cap expert by any means, but uh, I certainly do not want to make him one of the top three highest paid centers in the league. That's something that I. I really don't want the Ravens to do uh, just because I, I I feel like that should be left for premium players. When Rodley Stanley was signed to his deal, he was a premier player. Marlon Humphrey, when he signed his deal, he was a premier player. Uh, whenever they get Lamar Jackson done, he's going to be a premier player. So I want those premier contracts to be for premier players. And I just, I, I although he's ascending and he's, taking a step every single year of his career. I just don't see Bradley Bozeman being a premier player at this point. Well, you know, let me ask you this. If they're not able um, to, to reach a deal that works for both sides and, and, you know, you, you've got a, a vacancy, obviously we know Patrick McCarry um, has played center. Um, how come I don't have Tristan Cologne? See. Exclusive rights guy or something. I don't have him on this list for some reason. Maybe he's not under contract. Anyway, I was bringing him up because you know we know McCarthy. Oh, he's a he's an exclusive rights free agent. Okay, okay. So more than likely, you know they're yeah. they're gonna, they're going to tender him and, and he'll be back. So you've got two guys on the roster um, who who who've played some center for you. But you know, Chris, I, I feel like there's there's maybe a guy that you have in mind in free agency. I don't know if you've mentioned the name. Uh, of a center that you like out there, I don't. I don't feel like you've really spoken a lot about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna give you this opportunity uh, to throw out the guy that you were thinking of. Look, if you're gonna spend top dollar, you might as well go top of the line. 
<laughs> go Ryan Jensen. You know, if if you got to spend top three money, you might as well go with the top guy. And, you know, I know we all follow Brandon Thorne's work, you know, offensive line guru. And he said it on multiple occasions where Ryan Jensen is the best center in the league. You know, not just that he's nasty. You know, obviously that's the cherry on top. But he's he's a people mover. He's a guy that will will grade they're in the run game for you. He's he's not a guy that's just going to be passive and just kind of get the job done. He's going to move you and then he's going to put you into the ground. <laughs> and that's exactly what this offensive line needs. That's what the what the offense needs in general. Just one of those guys and I feel like bringing a guy like that in not only, you know, just with his play, but also the little tidbits and things that he's learned from Tom Brady. You know, he could put that kind of game onto Lamar Jackson and be like, look, this is how TB used to do it. You know, yeah. like, and Lamar could get some of that that knowledge, some of that Tom Brady knowledge from from Ryan Jensen. And, you know, that the, the relationship between a, a center and a quarterback is one of the most important ones on the football field. And for for a veteran guy like that who's worked with the, the best that there ever was in Tom Brady, I think that that would benefit Lamar so, so damn much. I agree. That would be super, super beneficial to him, just like you said, because of the nature of that quarterback center uh, relationship. And I think sometimes, you know, we, we don't always think about that, about how guys who have worked with other great players when they come on your team, um, how they can benefit the guys um, on your team at those same positions, you know, who maybe are younger guys, especially – you know, younger, really talented guys like Lamar Jackson. I mean, it was a different position. He didn't play offensive line, but I think about Mark Ingram and all those years being with Drew Brees. And when he came here in 2019 and 2020, I, you know, look, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that Mark Ingram is breaking down protections the way that a center would, protection calls and stuff like that. But obviously, if you've, if you've played with Drew Brees, you've got to understand pass protection as a running back. You won't be on the field if you don't understand pass protection playing with Drew Brees. So I, I think that uh, there's probably – I can't prove anything, obviously, but it, it's hard for me to think that there was um, no exchange of that kind of information in 2019 and 2020 uh, when Mark Ingram was around. But if you get a guy like Jensen, to your point, uh, who's been with Brady for a couple of years now, um, you can take that to a whole new level. So yeah, and they, they also, you know, a, a lot of people they're like, oh, you know, the Bucks not gonna let him go. You know, the the Bucks have some some big time free agents themselves. You know, they have Chris Godwin, who just played on the franchise tag. They have Jason Pierre-Paul and Dominic Sue. They got Rob Gronkowski, and and then there's another guy on that line who doesn't get the praise that he should. Alex Kappa, who's a, a younger guard, and he's a guy that's he's gonna command top pay. For the, for the guard position, so they have some guys that are going to be commanding some some big time money. So it, it's not a, just a given. Like, oh yeah, they'll bring him back. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that it's for sure they'll they'll let him walk, but it, it might be a difficult thing to do where they have to choose between uh, Jensen or Kappa. And Kappa's a younger guy, so maybe they go that route. It could be financial. It could also just be situation. We talked about it earlier. Uh, his o The OC there might leave. Leftwich might leave and get a job somewhere else. Tom Brady, there's been more rumors the last couple of weeks about him retiring that we've, than we've heard in 20 years. 
uh, as he's been playing. <laughs> and so maybe, you know, if, if TB12 steps away, if your OC steps away, I mean, Arians is 70 years old. We don't know what he's going to do. Uh, then maybe it's kind of like a mass exodus kind of thing where guys are like, hey, we got a chip together. It was great, but they're kind of breaking the band up now. So, hey, uh, you know, peace, throw up the deuces. And, uh, <laughs> you know, a guy like Jensen might might move on, you know, if there's that much change uh, on the offense. So could be financial, always financial related. I don't want to say could be. There are always financial factors at play. But you could also have a little bit of the, you know, the breaking up of the band sort of effect going on and, and guys just saying, well, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna look for another opportunity since things aren't going to quite be the same if I stick around here. Um, Kara, let me get your thoughts on, um, you know, the guys under contract on offense, guys that, you know, are going to be uh, entering free agency and um, just, you know, kind of kind of your, your 20,000, 30,000 foot view on that side of the ball. Yeah, man, I think they're in good shape. You know, it's a lot of youth, a lot of guys that um, are ascending players. I think uh, inherently they're better on – they're in better shape on the offensive line. Um, you know, is Ronnie going to be Ronnie is obviously the million-dollar question. Um, but I think, in you know, even him at 80% is, is better than, you know, some of the guys they had to roll out there this year. And just having him back, you know, even at 80 percent would put a lot of other things in place. So uh, I like where they are there. I do expect them to spend, uh, um, you know, one of that one of those top um, two round picks on an office alignment uh, to further solidify that. Uh, so I like where they are there. Obviously, at wide receiver, they're super young, super talented with guys that are. Uh, again, ascending and then guys that have the work ethic, um, you know, have some of the things in them that you, you, you know, you want to see. So, you know, they're in as good a shape as they've ever been at the position, I would say, at wide receiver. And then um, when you look at it, I, I, I look at I'm looking at the, the free agents and I'll just hit a couple positions that uh, I, I think I find interesting. Uh, look at that running back position. You obviously got Gus and you got uh, J.K. coming back off an of injury. Uh, the young guys, we we really just didn't see them get the chance to to really prove themselves. So I'm looking at, you know, Devontae Freeman or Latavius Murray uh, as guys that weren't garnering a whole lot of interest before they got to the Ravens and they came to the Ravens and played well. Um you know, I don't see these guys as guys that are going to break the bank and free agency at all. Um, you know, I, I would think that, you know, one of these guys could come back as kind of that contingency plan uh, as a number three guy that, you know, maybe uh, you're able to not have to push Gus and JK so much early on. Uh, so I, I think that's interesting. Uh, I look at a guy like David Sharp at tackle who shows some things late in the year. Uh, I think he'd be an interesting guy that, you know, shouldn't cost a whole lot to bring back, um, you know, as a guy to kind of fortify things. Um, then I look at, um, you know, Eric Tomlinson, um, you know, a guy that, again, shouldn't be expensive. You know what he's going to bring. Um, a guy that, that I think they definitely should look at bringing back. And then um, Josh Johnson. Uh, Mike, you pointed this out. Um, as far as when RG3 left, 
having that veteran in the room and how that helps. Josh Johnson is a guy who's played in a lot of different systems, seen a lot of quarterbacks. You know, he's played, you know, hasn't played a ton, but he's taken a lot of reps and seen a lot of different things. I think that, and he's, he's shown he can still play as well. So I think having that experience in a room would be invaluable. And, you know, obviously he's not a guy that's going to break the bank by any means. So I, I would love to see him back and in that quarterback room, um, you know, to be that 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 kind of steady and influence. So um, just all in all, man, I, I really like where this offense is in a lot of different ways um, and, you know, look forward to, you know, them bolstering that offensive line, everybody coming back healthy and kind of seeing what they can do, um, you know, all, all put together and healthy. Yeah, you highlighted some 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 interesting guys there. Uh, I mean, Devontae Freeman, like you said, I think he really showed well uh, as the season progressed. I think early part of the season, I think everybody kind of saw that Greg Roman was trying to figure out how to use those guys, you know, because he had Freeman, he had Murray, then they brought Bell in, and I think he was just trying to figure out, you know, what what worked best and, and what kind of combinations. And then Freeman kind of, you know, like like Giro always says, he wants somebody to take the brass ring <laughs> and run with it. And I think uh, Freeman kind of did. So yeah, I, I definitely think I could see him back. Um, you know, on a on a reasonable deal, and and like you said, I mean, there weren't a ton of people beating down the doors last year, and he's a year older uh, going into this year. Right. Uh, although he's, you know, he's got that tape that he put out there last year, so that that might interest some people too. Eric Tomlinson, just one of those valuable kind of you know utility guys that can do a little bit of everything. I mean, I, I can remember having some conversations um, with at uh, at Yoshi twenty fifty two on Twitter. He said he just was asking the question. He wasn't saying whether he could or he couldn't, but he said, hey. Can um, can Eric Tomlinson give you some percentage of what Patrick Ricard could give you at a fraction of the cost? And I was like, in 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 certain situations, probably. Yeah. I mean, you might not have him do all the things that they asked Ricard to do, but he certainly can do some of them. We've seen that, um, you know. So I mean, I, I think that that's a really good call that you made too. And of course, Josh Johnson. I mean, like you said, my man has seen a lot of quarterback rooms. He's seen a lot of quarterback rooms inside and outside of the NFL. (laughs) He's a guy with a lot of experience under his belt. And say what you will about that second Bengals game. Yeah, it was sort of a knife to a gunfight situation because of how many people that they had out. But just in terms of how he played, just him personally in that game off of 11 days on the team, I thought he acquitted himself really well in that game um, for a guy who had not been around a whole lot and had to step in in a really tough situation in a game that at the time was like for the division, you know, didn't work out, but that was, you know, I don't think it was because he played poorly in that game. So I like those calls, all of them, really. I can't really think of anybody in there that you mentioned um, that I didn't like. And the Ronnie piece is so key. I mean, he, he changes the whole look of the offensive line. If he's what he was before he got injured. I mean, just, just everything is different, you know, if he's back. It's a big if, but, you know, he, he has consistently said that he expects to be back. Um, and, and like you mentioned early on, Chris, you know, when he did come back at the beginning of this year and he played in the Raiders game and then he didn't play again and they didn't necessarily shut him down right away and then they did shut him down for the whole season. There's a lot of sort of mystery around exactly what happened and what was going on with the situation, but we know he had to have an additional surgery. And, you know, and he's been recovering from that. So 
you know, maybe whatever happened, maybe he had some kind of setback or, you know, uh, a compensatory type injury or something after he came back. And hopefully that's gotten cleaned up and he'll have, um, you know, more time to um, rehab and recover for that. So hopefully we, we get the Ronnie we know back because you get him back. You know, I think Zeidler settled in as the season went on last year. Um, you know, I think they'll they'll either work out a reasonable deal with uh, Brad Bozeman or they'll bring in somebody else at center or they'll roll Patrick Bakari or Cologne out there. I think you've got some interesting competition at left guard with guys like Tyree Phillips and Ben Cleveland. You know, I don't know if Powers would be back, but, you know, he's still under contract, so he's still in that mix. So uh, Jawan James, we, we don't know because he hasn't played in, in a couple of years now, but, you know, we know he was a guy that when he did play, you know, has some ability. So I, I think that they're positioned to to really have a, a nice-looking offensive line, and that doesn't even mention the draft. You know, Chris obviously knows this because he's really been, you know, digging in to uh, 2022 prospects. A lot of talented offensive tackles uh, this year. <laughs> so uh, it's a good-looking group there, and, you know, you never know. One of those guys could fall in your lap at 14, you know. Um, and, and Stranger things really- have happened. They sure have. They sure have. And we just you just never know how far quarterbacks will get pushed up the board. And I know everybody keeps saying this is a down quarterback class this year. It's down from previous years. But that that seems to go out the window when, the, you know, the, that first team is on the clock. People go quarterback crazy in this league, man. <laughs> and guys get pushed up, uh, you know, right, rightly or, or wrongly. And that can cause, you know, non, non-quarterback non players to get pushed down. And, you know, a lot of times in the past for the Ravens, even when that happened, they were still picking too close to the back of the end of the first round that they weren't going to make it to them. But 14, some guys can maybe get to you at 14. Yeah. Especially if these quarterbacks have good good performances next week at the Senior Bowl. Like, we can see that we've seen it before. We've seen the Christian Ponders rise. So yep. it's it's not it's it's not that far fetched, you know. We Daniel Jones is one of them. EJ Manuel is another one. Those are all guys who went through the Senior Bowl and they improved their draft stock tremendously. And you know, we we could see that happen again this, this coming week with with the quarterback. So every every Ravens fan needs to have their finger crossed and and hope these guys ball out. I want all of them to ball out. Every last one of them. I wish all I want, of them. Joking. I want six taken in the first, in the first, in the first, <laughs> in the top ten. First six picks. All yeah. <laughs> hey, we're, we're we're one year removed from uh, Rashawn Slater dropping at thirteen. Yeah, that's right. And you see, and you see what, and you see how that ended. So, mm-hmm. no, never say never. I can only imagine. I don't even want to, I don't want to put this on Chris, but I could only imagine if Iki Ekwanu is sitting there at 13 <laughs> still on the board. And who who picks before them? Is it the is it the Browns? The Browns, yes. Yeah. Yeah. They don't need no tackle. They're straight. They're good. They got Wills. They got Conklin. Right? I think. I know Wills. I know because Wills is still under his rookie deal. I don't know where Conklin's at. I, I think Conklin might have had a, a an Achilles. Oh shit. They might need a tackle. <laughs> I need a tackle. Well, maybe, and you know, you can't. You you would have to leapfrog them. You can't. No, they, they go. They, they they might go wide receiver because I think Jarvis is a, a free agent. I think. Yeah. yeah, and they're gonna. There's there's gonna be some guys. Yeah. Uh, 
available. You got the Ohio State guys. Um, I guess you know. I don't know what the what the injury status is going to look like for Mechie and Jameson Williams. I don't, I don't know what those guys are going to look like. Um, but you know, there's going to be some some talented wide receivers available if that's what you're looking for, at Cleveland. And I think you should take one. I think you should 100 percent take a wide receiver and not take an offensive lineman, particularly an yep. offense. You don't need yep. it. <laughs> no, I, good- I, I, I'll, I'll be happy with Icky or, or Cross, whichever one of those two. I mean, obviously Evan Neal too, but whichever one of those big three want to fall to the Ravens, I'll be happy. Yeah, that's a good call on Slater too. I forgot. I carry, that's a good call. I forgot that he got to 13. Uh, the Ravens just haven't haven't been picking that high, anywhere near that high um, in a number of years. You know, I, I guess you got to go back to Marlins year. That was 16. Um, and then before that was probably Ronnie, but Ronnie was like top 10. So you got to go way back. Um, so that part's exciting, too. There's another level of excitement. The Ravens, you know, having a pick, you know, that that early part of the first round. Well, you know, mid mid first round where they, they really haven't been picking in a while. And we have a we have a level of excellence that we have to uphold when we get to that that time where where we have our bracket and we get yes, to our sir. pick because we're trying to go for three years in a row. Yeah. Three. We get the pick right. Yeah, I think it's a three piece. So we don't want we don't we want have a two. certain standard. <laughs> we do. Uh, you know, I mean, that's a title that nobody else can 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 say they have i mean that's just facts you know that's not being braggadocious i mean these is factual information check the tape uh we have correctly selected the ravens first round pick uh in the last two years so yeah we're looking to make it three years in a row and you know we have fun we have a good time with it um we put our little ncaa attorney style bracket together and i like how we've expanded it to include other people come in and give their perspectives and you know, look, other people uh, out there in the community like it, too, apparently. Some of them like it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Like, really like it. Like, the whole idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, you know, we appreciate that, right? The sincerest form of flattery. That's what they say. So, uh, that's that's going to be a lot of fun. And who knows? Maybe, when when did we do the, um, the mock draft? Remember we did that one year? We did. I don't. We did. Don't yeah, know, we, we did, did it. We did. Yeah, yeah. We gotta. We gotta pull that back out. Where we, we did the whole We picked Geno Stone too. Yes, did. There was somebody else too. Was it? Was it just Queen and Stone? I think Nigel Warrior. I feel like there was somebody. Oh, um, Duvernay. One of y'all picked Duvernay. Yeah, Duvernay that's right. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. We did pick Duvernay. Yeah, so Carrie DeCosta, man. And uh, and Chris Ortiz, <laughs> <laughs> they they uh, they hit on several of those picks, so that was fun too. Um, that was that was a fun little exercise, especially when we had like the clock on us and we had to think about making a pick or making a trade. I, I had no idea. I, you watch it on TV and it's, it looks slow. You know, when you're seeing the countdown, you're like, oh yeah, plenty of time, man. When you got to make a decision, that thing is going fast, man. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, maybe we'll we'll break that back out. So you guys just got a little preview of uh, some of the offseason content that you can look forward to, um, stuff that we've done in the past that we've had fun with, and uh, that we're proud of, and and I think it should be uh, should be exciting, and and I look forward to to doing some of it uh, this year too. And I got some got a couple other ideas too. I'm kicking around. I got to keep them between Chris and Carrie. You gotta 
I got I to gotta be more careful about the stuff that I share. Uh, like I said, you know, a lot of people like what we do, whether they acknowledge that or not. Uh, <laughs> I, I will share those ideas offline, but I, I think uh, I think I got another one that could be pretty that could be pretty cool. Um, and we'll see if we can't put something together on that. But anything else you guys got before we go ahead and close out the show? I think we're, I think we're, we're good. No, nah, man, I think we hit everything we wanted to hit. You know, just, you know, you guys be on the lookout. Like I said, some of the stuff we just talked about, other things coming down the pike. Um, you know, we, we got a lot we got a lot to bring this offseason. Yeah, anything for you, Chris? You good? Uh, yeah, like like Carrie said, man, just look out for, the, you know, the, the stuff that, that we'll be bringing. Um, you know, I, I know we, we've been talking about you know, doing all, all of these these draft shows that, that, that we'd like to do over the years. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to do it because when, when we get it, when we get into it, it's a fun conversation. You know, it, it's not that, oh, man, you dumb. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, no, I don't want this kind of player. Like, I don't want a linebacker. No, I don't want this this tackle because his arms are short. Like, we, we get into it. We, you know, we, we, we kind of, even though we might not agree, but we're willing to listen and we're willing to to see why. Oh, why does this person like Terrace Marshall and we don't? You know, we weren't last year. We weren't bashing Terrace Marshall. We were just like, we want to see what other people are seeing. You know, it wasn't some crusade right. to prove everybody wrong. It was like, why? Why do you see that? And I'm, I don't know, why am I missing it? You know, so I, I'm looking forward to those conversations and just, you know, building and, and, and getting better with, you know, with everything we do. Yeah. I think the thing that I, I'm really proud of us for, and I think that we, we try to do, obviously we're, we're respectful of each other and we're civil and all of that. That's, that's off the rip. But I think that we try to keep an open mind and really try to consider and evaluate as many possible outcomes as we can think of. Right. There can be things that you can say, I don't think are going to happen. Or I don't, I, you know, it doesn't seem likely, right? People, you, you talk about the draft people. That's that's one of the big things people say. Oh, that guy won't be there at that pick. He's never going to be there at that pick. You know, do you hear that kind of stuff all the time? But I think something that we really, you know, try to be cognizant of is, hey, just evaluate the outcome, right? Don't get focused on whether you think it's going to happen or you want it to happen. Could it happen? If it could happen, then talk about it. Discuss it. And then evaluate it. And then, you know, you don't you don't have to necessarily get locked into, oh, I think it will or I think it won't. Who knows? All we're saying is if it's a possible outcome, let's talk about it and let's discuss it. So that way, you know, we're not caught off guard because we dismissed something because somebody said a player will never get to a spot. So let's not even talk about that. Let's not even think about that. No, I don't I don't I don't think that's a smart way to to approach things. And, and, and we don't do that. Yeah. We haven't done that. And, and on that, and on that is also not even just individual players, but positions too. Like I've seen a lot of people like, no, I don't want a nose tackle. You know, specifically talking about Jordan Davis, and it's like I, I feel like like I'm not necessarily because I have tiers of the guys that I would prefer them to pick, and he's not in the top two tiers that I have. But let's just say that they do pick him. It's like all right, I have to think about like. What does he bring to the default? Like, what does he bring to the team? And it's not a far-fetched idea when you start thinking about it in that sense. 
you're like, all right, he can do this, he can do that, he can improve other players around you. So I feel like when you just lock in and like, no, we can't do this position at all. Like I feel like you kind of set yourself up a little bit to to be close minded to all of, you know, the, the possibilities that there are, you know, and we saw it happen with JK. You know, a lot of people were like, no, we don't we don't need a running back. And then when it happened, you know, everybody freaked out. But when you go back to last year, I think people would be like, yeah, that was a good pick. You know, when you look back at, at it and the same look at Jeffrey Simmons. When Jeffrey Simmons was picked, he was coming off of a torn ACL. I'm I'm not saying the Ravens should take Jamison Williams, but let's just say that they do take him, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say he, in three years or four years from now, he's one of the best wide receivers in the game. That ends up being a good pick. So it's like you shouldn't just shoot something down right away just because you're so locked in and offensive tackle, offensive tackle, or edge player, edge player. Like you got to look at, the whole grand scheme of things and, and kind of look at the past to, to show you like, no, these things have worked in the past. So I just feel like people should be more open-minded. Now that may not be your, you know, your preference, which is fine because a wide receiver isn't my preference, but be open to the idea of having that discussion of a wide receiver or whatever position it is. Hey, yeah, that's a good point. Y'all know y'all ain't got to talk me into no wide receivers. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. And for that matter, throw inside backer on that list too. <laughs> you want to take a swing on one of those? Hey, I'm open, right? Because you've heard it from Ozzy. I think you continue to hear it from, from DaCosta. Get as many good players as you can, right? Get as many blue chip type talents, red star players, you know, their terminology as you can because when you start to get so narrowly focused on well we don't have a need at that position then 2021 happens and you got bodies dropping everywhere and you're like, oh we, we didn't have a need at cornerback and you lose three quarters of your secondary so <laughs> i think that's why it's so important that point that you made about keeping an open mind and really just evaluating players right and trying to identify good players and if you have your board slotted that way and a player falls to, you know, their grade, you know, sort of aligns with a certain pick position, then you take that play. I mean, that that's, that's how I think good teams stay good and how they keep talented rosters. If you get into, Oh, we don't need this. We don't need that. Let's, let's not pick this guy here. Let's try to wait or let's pick a guy around early because we really need it. It looks like there's going to be a run. I think you can get yourself in some trouble living that way. Look at Brashad Perriman. Yeah. Because if you if bring that if you take too many, I'm sorry, Mike. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's my man. I will never. If you take too many lesser um, lesser players (laughs) at a position of need, you're gonna have a need for a job. You do too many of that. (laughs) At the end of the day, you're gonna have real need. (laughs) 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 If, If that, if you're gonna operate with that sort of narrow focus, right? And I think that's a really, maybe we can do a show on that one time. I don't know. There's there's a real discussion in that because there's a balance between, you know, really evaluating your roster and looking at places where you have weaknesses and trying to address those, but then also uh, being true to your board, right? Regardless of position. I think there's a real balance to that. And it's, it's not easy. 
is it, I, I think it can be a simpler, we can kind of oversimplify it sometimes when we think about it. But I think when you've got real players in front of you to choose from in real time, I think it, it can be a more difficult decision than, than, it, than you might think. So maybe we get into that on another show. That's actually a pretty interesting topic. Um, but I think that's it. We'll go ahead and wrap this thing. I mean, it's been a good show. As always, um, anytime I get to chop it up with you guys, I know it's going to be good. So um, we're going to get this one out. I think we're recording Friday night. So you guys get a little weekend edition. You know, uh, they say we don't work on the weekends, but this this weekend, this weekend, <laughs> we do a little overtime. For you. Give me some, give you some, uh, give you some listening content for the for the snow that's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's supposed to get it's supposed to get kind of bad coming up your way. Right. Like New York and stuff and Boston. That's what they say. We'll see. We'll, we'll yeah. see. I mean, it's doing a little something down here, but I don't think it's going to do much. Um, we might get an inch or something mm. like that. But they talk about 18 to 24 up in Boston. Look, I, I look. I, I stopped watching the news when they when they had the nerve to say we're going to get between two and 18 inches. I was like, man, what, why am I watching this? <laughs> why am I watching this? I, <laughs> don't tell me that. <laughs> I ain't never seen a range like that. I ain't never seen between two and I'm like, come on, man. Usually they do increments of two. One to two, two to four. <laughs> two to two to eighteen. Yeah, I never saw that in my life. So I, when I wake up, I when I wake up, I'll know. That's how I'm that's how I'm dealing with it. They are kicking it like the CDC. <laughs> Just, you know, the broadest, broadest amount of information possible. <laughs> Uh, everybody stay safe out there, man. Uh, if you are in this corridor and got snow coming your way, you know, if you don't have to be out, don't be out on them roads, man. I mean, get kind of crazy out there. So everybody be safe. Um, if you can be home, be at home. And as usual, thanks for listening. Um, like, subscribe, download, share, tell a friend to tell a friend, keep this thing going, spread the word. Uh, you know, th that helps us. And, and I think there are other people out there who dig this kind of content, who maybe don't know about us yet, you know, if you, you share that word with them, um, not only are you helping us, but you're helping them, you know, somebody who's looking for this kind of content and maybe didn't even know it was out there. So appreciate everything that everybody does on that tip. Until the next time, we are Imperial classic, lyrical, thrashing the miracle, happening, lazy, killer Mike and big boy, rapping and rhyming and snapping, pop that tag on some of this game, politics, why don't we keep the same? Sing on them black until we call, and we'll see, showing off that jewelry that we buy.